What's up, party people? Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lonnie. Today, we're going to be talking about my top reads of 2022. I'm actually here with some water because I already had my cup of coffee here today, and it's not a literature latte episode, so I can't excuse another cup. But we're going to be talking about books that just really impacted me as a human this year. It impacted my reading life, or I just haven't been able to stop thinking about them ever since I read them. So the first book that I read this year that just changed my perspective and that just really stood out even months later was The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. This book actually traumatized me and scarred me, but it was just phenomenal. This book follows Hollywood icon Evelyn Hugo and her rise to fame during the 1950s. Hugo is officially ready to talk about her life in the spotlight, and she hires journalist Monique Grant to write the story. Evelyn has been married seven times throughout her life, but has been in love with a woman named Celia St. James throughout most of her marriages. I sobbed so hard while reading this book, my chest was physically hurting after I read it. This book is not a happily ever after at all, and it was more realistic and that may be why it's so sad to me because I can actually imagine that happening to somebody in real life. Like, no offense, happily ever afters aren't that realistic to me. I just don't have faith <laughs> that everybody will get a happily ever after. And I think it will be just delusional to believe that everybody will die happily. And this book really shows that in the rawest way possible. The book is honestly full of unlikable, realistic characters, tragedy, forbidden romance, and even it had a huge plot twist that connected Evelyn's life to Monique's life in unforgivable ways. All of the different topics that were covered in this book, specifically gay rights, LGBTQ community, one of the major topics in this book, obviously, because Evelyn was part of the community herself. I actually talk about this book too much in real life and I realized that <laughs> I realized that when my grandmother gifted me an extra copy of this book for my birthday. I honestly don't know how to heal myself after reading this other than rereading it three more times. I don't know, please go pick this book up. This book actually encouraged me to read more of Taylor Jenkins Reid's writing. She has a new release called Carrie Soto is Back. I haven't picked that one up yet, but I plan to very soon. Also, she wrote Malibu Rising, which is fantastic. It's not on my top reads of the year, but it was spectacular. That book also made me cry, and I had a dream about that book, so that may tell you something about Taylor Jenkins Reid as an author. And I know that people have been reading her whole backlist this year because it's not just me that fell in love with this woman, honestly. Anyway, immediately after that, I needed a palate cleanser, so I read The Carval Trilogy by Stephanie Garber. I have not read a young adult fantasy series that captured me like this series has. So Carl Ball follows two sisters named Scarlett and Donatella. They live on an island called Trista with their tyrannical father and Scarlett has been vigorously writing letters to Legend, the master of Carval, which is his magical yearly performance. And she's been writing in hopes of getting an invitation. This year he finally replies and supplies three tickets for Scarlett, her fiance, and Tella. However, once they arrive with the help of a mysterious sailor, 
Donatella is kidnapped for the game. The story is really such a play on your mind because you don't know what's real and what's fake or what's part of the carnival performance. And all three books were just full of whimsy and gorgeous settings. The characters were well described. There were even like little things that were extremely well developed like the clothing style in the world. Stephanie Garber took her time to write out different shades of color and different embroidery on the dresses and things like that. Just really developing this world so much that it was so vivid to you as a reader. It was spectacular to me. Also, very easy to read and fast-paced storyline. The plot was very good. I will talk about another series that Stephanie Garber wrote because she is definitely my favorite fantasy author. Oh, and also the books in this series are different point of view for each book. So Carva is from Scarlet's point of view. Legendary, which is book two of the series, is from Donatella's point of view. And book three finale is dual point of view. By the way, finale has to be my favorite of the series. It it was just it was just great. I don't know what to say. And I was actually the most scared to read finale because I loved Carval and I thought Legendary was absolutely phenomenal, but it still didn't live up to my own personal height because of how much I liked Carval. And so after reading Legendary and not having it be how I wanted it to be, I was mm, scared to read finale. But it really lived up to every expectation I had and actually went beyond my expectations. The whole series is fantastic. The next book is Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. Now, I feel like this book just had its peak popularity in the past few years. The whole Grishaverse series, which is like a seven book series written in the same universe by Lee Bardugo. It just had its peak moment this year, honestly. So, specifically this book, which is like the third book in the whole series, follows six criminals in the slums of Ketterdam who are part of this gang called the Dregs. These criminals are given the opportunity to go on an impossible heist for a life-changing amount of money, and their leader and mastermind, Kaz Brecker, wants nothing more than money, power, and revenge for his brother Jordy's death. The unlikely group has to team up together and make this plan work because they all have something to lose. Also, this series has been adapted to a Netflix series, so I highly recommend benching all of the books and then watching the show because season two comes out March of 2023. Just saying. <laughs> this book also ripped me to shreds. You'll see that this is a ongoing theme throughout some of my favorite books is that I sobbed while reading them. I don't know why I like books that make me cry and question my existence, but that seems to be the genre I'm interested in. The romance in this book, there was like two or three different plots of romance going on between the group, and they were so heartbreakingly realistic. Like, the found family was beautiful. Like, the love shared through these characters romantically and friendship-wise beautiful stunning I don't know how Lee Bardugo did it and the entire book was full of these broken and morally gray characters I really couldn't touch a book weeks after reading it it just stuck with me for so long I still think about it so much and at the time of reading it like after I read it 
it truly became my personality for a while for the past few months i was just a six of curls fanfic that's all you could be able to say about me <laughs> anyway then we move on to casting firelight duology by donna swift this book was just pure nostalgia to me as a fan of The Wrath and the Dawn by Renee Ideed, this book just truly changed me. And it really brought me back to the vibes of that book. But anyway, Cast and Firelight follows an arranged marriage between two royal heirs, Audra and Jotun. They met each other when they were about eight years old. And then almost a decade later, they are having a re-meet with each other. And the book involves some gang affiliations, secret identities, and a battle for power in these two different kingdoms. It's set in like this South Asian kind of world where there's like that kind of vibe to it that kind of aesthetic to it there's also like so many nice things about the world the magic system was absolutely stunning it was beautiful shout out to Donna Swift for that magic system and there's also things like mountains that play an important role in the world and there's also things like earth element magic that incorporated fictional gods and stuff like that <sighs> It was so good. The romance in this book was actually like soulmatism to me. Mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. Audra and Jotun are like my hope for the world. Like, <laughs> I love them as a couple so much. Them as friends. The tension between them throughout the entirety of book one because they didn't know who each other were throughout the whole book. It was so good. Like, wow. Also, I feel like the secret identities between Audra and Jotun helped develop their relationship more because obviously they were almost forced into this marriage, but not necessarily forced, if that makes sense. Just casually pushed into this relationship. Guys. And then the reveal of their identities was even more satisfying because of all of this development. It was phenomenal. I love this book so much. So then I have Today, Tonight, Tomorrow by Rachel Lynn Solomon. This book, oh my God. I really like learned how much I love academic rivals to lovers throughout this past year. Never would have thought that that was a trope I was interested in in terms of romance. And this is a young adult academic rivals to lovers and it follows Rowan and Niall. They've been rivals since freshman year of high school and it's currently the last day of school last day of their senior year everybody's ready to go to college and after finding out that now is valedictorian for their school um there's this last opportunity for rowan to win in their competition i guess and they're playing a game called how at school to celebrate senior year and whatnot and if you win how which is like a mix of assassin and a scavenger hunt you get a five thousand dollar grand prize i believe it was and obviously Rowan and now just automatically think to go against each other it's really a battle between them two and the rest of the senior class kind of knows that already so the rest of the senior class practically team up on them so that somebody else can win aside from them because Rowan and Al have won everything. Rowan and Al ultimately have to team up. And at the end of the book, if you buy a physical copy, there is an excerpt from Niall's point of view. 
I absolutely adore now. Like, wow. What a man, y'all. <laughs> but um, reading from Rowan's point of view was very interesting. Because these characters aren't perfect. Rowan isn't perfect. And also, Rowan loves the Smiths. Come on now. But anyway, it, it's just such a good book. It was well-crafted. Rachel and Solomon, to me, is known for her young adult nerdy romance books. She has another book called See You Yesterday which is between a physic fanfic and a journalist. Come on, props to Rachel and Solomon for her characters. I honestly love them all so much. Anyway, back to Today, Tonight, Tomorrow. That book was just phenomenal. That ultimately ended up being my personality for a while too. I had to buy a copy of it because I read it from the library, but I had to buy my own copy so that I can doodle flowers around each page and just really be dramatic about reading it. So yeah, Today, Tonight, Tomorrow, very wholesome, fun, easy to read, quick read, and a very different vibe we have as Good As Dead by Holly Jackson. These two books are extremely different. <laughs> this book is actually a part of a Good Girl's Guide to Murder series and it is the last book to the trilogy and a Good Girl's Guide to Murder series pretty much follows this girl named Pippa who in book one is opening uh, or reopening a case from her small town about this girl named Andy who everybody thinks was killed by her boyfriend Sal now um Pip doesn't believe that Sal killed Andy so she's trying to prove that he didn't kill Andy and it leads to a whole line of thrillers and mysteries in the small town and literally nobody's who they seem to be it's such an eerie book I was actually extremely paranoid while reading this whole series I was scared. I don't know. It was really messing with my head at the time. <laughs> I couldn't be in the dark for too long. It was just so scary to me. But it was like scary. But more so eerie rather than scary. Because it wasn't too scary. Because it's still young adult. But book one. A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Is the murder mystery itself of Andy and Sal. Book two is a missing person mystery where this guy named Jamie goes missing the day that Andy and Sal were killed and then book three is a serial killer mystery and book three is as good as dead which is on the list or my top reads of 2022 just talking about this book has me looking around my anyway it's just so freaky to me anyway it was such a great conclusion to this series and had you wanting more from the series even after the book ended because of the way it ended oh it was so good and then there was like a psychotic twist in this book that kind of made Pip an anti-hero to me she's a hero what an icon but to other people she may be an anti-hero and it really made her seem like that but the twist to me was so satisfying like just seeing Pip be her rage for a moment oh oh my god it genuinely killed something inside of me I don't know that's possibly extremely bad and the people that have read this book probably know exactly what moment I'm talking about please don't DM me on Instagram asking do I need therapy I probably do but <laughs> also I feel like what made this book 10 times better is that I buddy read it with my friend named Hannah on Instagram it was a fun time 
we really enjoyed it. This is actually one of my six out of five star reads. I honestly will probably reread this book, even though it scared the hoobjeebers out of me. I'll probably still reread <laughs> re it just to annotate it and rave about it more. Okay, so after reading that book, I had to take a little break for a while <laughs> and go back to read some more wholesome reads. So I ended up picking up the Bromance Book Club series by Alyssa K. Adams. Every book in the series is a five-star read for me. Every single one. And it is a five-book series, and there are no bad books in that entire series. I don't know how Alyssa K. Adams did it, but I'm obsessed with every single one of those books and every single one of the characters. But um, my top two of the series, which are on my top reads of the year list, is Undercover Bromance book two and Isn't It Bromantic book four. Undercover Bromance follows Brayden and Liv. So it is a little bit of a dislike to lovers story because Liv really doesn't like Brayden, who's also known as Mac. So if I refer to somebody as Mac, I'm talking about him because he's referred to as Mac throughout most of the book. So pretty much one day, Mac is at this high profile pastry restaurant Gordon Ramsay type stuff Liv works there she's like one of the top chefs there and uh Brayden is actually on a date with Gretchen who <laughs> this is very funny who actually has her own book with Colton so a little bit of drama sprinkled into there but <laughs> but anyway so he's on a date with Gretchen and Liv is like their server Mac orders this like $1,000 cupcake there ends up being like this big thing where Liv drops the cupcake and it's such a big deal she, she almost gets fired for it her boss tells her she needs to come see him after her shift so fast forward her shift ends Liv is on her way to see him and she walks in on him harassing one of her co-workers and Liv is like absolutely not not on my watch what an icon we love her so Liv ends up getting fired she ends up having to tell Matt because Max, like, what happened? Why'd you get fired? So she tells him, and he and her end up coming up with a plan on how to destroy her boss. How iconic. Anyway, um, and that obviously leads to more chemistry growing between Mac and Liv. Mac obviously ends up having a call on the Bromance Book Club, which is a book club of men that just read strictly romance novels to help themselves fix their relationships and be better men be better partners be better spouses so what a beautiful story y'all I love the whole series oh and also in undercover bromance there is a little bit of a cottagecore aesthetic because Liv lives on this like farmhouse and um the farmhouse has like chickens and goats and there's a lot of baking and picnic like scenes such a beautiful book the aesthetic was great the plot was phenomenal i was invested in the whole storyline if i'm not mistaken i read this book in about two days whereas i typically read book a week at a time anyway then we get to book four of the series which is isn't it romantic and this book honestly just had everything in it for me 
I am so much of a marriage of convenience, childhood friends to lovers person when I'm looking for romance books. If a romance book has those two tropes in it, I will read it. And this book actually had those two tropes and second chance romance trope. <laughs> I was committed at that point. Anyway, this book follows Vladimir and Elena. So Elena wants a divorce at the beginning of the book, Vladimir breaks his leg during a hockey tournament. So she ends up moving back to America where Vladimir lives and coming to take care of him, pretty much. Fast forward, they get to his house. She's, like, taking care of him. And you really start to see, like, Elena is just... Her inner monologue about why she has to divorce Vlad or why she feels like she has to was so eye-opening to me. Like, I don't know, but... Elena's love language is obviously cooking. It's obviously cooking, and that's literally all she does for Vlad. She makes him these huge Russian cuisine because those are his favorite foods, like feast of his favorite food, pretty much. And I'm like, Elena, girl, you're in love with this man. I don't know if you realize it, but I realize it. This book was just so good to me. This book was one of the most wholesome books. I don't know, guys. Like, there was just something about this book that just stood out to me like I finished it and then a few days later I reread it I was so obsessed there are so many scenes with the bromance book club by the way Vlad is very different from the book club because he is actually writing his own romance book rather than reading one for the club there's just something about seeing all of these men come together and attempt to fix their relationships and really put efforts into being with people and learning how to treat women learning women's love languages and all of the different conversations about misogyny and also just seeing these men have a safe space to cry and be corrected and be vulnerable joke around just it was so wholesome it was so good i actually had moments in this series where I just had to put the book down and cry for a solid 10 minutes because there are moments where you saw these men just truly break because they didn't know what they were doing with their life or they just got to such a bad place in their relationship and they just break down crying. I had to put the book down for a moment and cry with them. Honestly, one of the scenes in undercover bromance I sobbed during one of those scenes I don't know what's wrong with me but it was phenomenal guys please pick this series up I'm begging at this point next we have these hollow vials by Lexi Ryan this book follows a girl named Abrielle and her sister Jazz at the beginning of the book it's a little bit of a Cinderella retelling because they are pretty much servants for their rude aunt and Brie is even a thief for her aunt. Um, and one day, Brie, Brie's aunt ends up selling Jazz to the fairy world for human money. And um, a ball is coming up, like uh, a huge event or coronation soon that will allow all of these human women to travel to the fairy world so that they can court this prince named Prince Ronan. It's pretty much like the Bachelor type vibe, you know. It's a bunch of these women and this guy, Prince Ronan, has to choose who will be his bride. So, 
Bree obviously goes to the ball so that she can use the portal and save her sister from this guy named King Mortis. Because King Mortis is the guy that bought Jazz. Obviously, once she gets there, she has to pretend to be interested in Prince Ronan. And now she has to pretend even more to be interested in him and actually be chosen because she has to steal these three powerful magical and dangerous items from um the court and the kingdom that prince ronan is in in exchange for her sister and at the same time after getting to this world or getting to the fey world she finds out that she has this magical shadow power shadow wielding power and now she's getting trained by a guy named Finn so she can learn how to use the power. So pretty much this book had a actually good love triangle. Fays and fairies, tons of betrayal, tension, secrets, and twists and turns. I just love this book so much. I was so invested and I was ripping through the pages trying to get to the end and see what actually happens. This was my second fae book or fairy book and i just need to pick up more books like this to be honest i honestly could not anticipate where this series was going next and it's only a duology it's only two books very easy to read very fast paced i just really couldn't predict where the series was going next and i was just so invested so the next book in the series is called these twisted bonds and after the events of these hollow vows multiple identities are revealed and literally everybody betrayed each other and our main character brie is on the run brie is also like the chosen one to save this kingdom this uh kingdom that is falling apart because she has a secret identity of her own in this book we also get more of finn in the love triangle and i in love with that man i would say some of the stuff that he did in this book that just made me fall head over heels in love with him but i want y'all to fall head over heels in love with him yourself so go pick this series up it's literally just two books so good such good characters also, there was women rage in this book. As y'all can tell, that's another ongoing theme throughout my favorite reads. Because as good as that was also women rage. And I absolutely adore that book. So Next on the list, we have the Once Upon a Broken Heart duology by Miss Stephanie Garber. I told y'all I had another series. She, in one year, this woman literally became my favorite author ever. Like, one year. So these books, I think, were actually released this year, and book three to the series is coming out in 2023. I cannot wait to get my hands on that book, and her writing is just so lyrical and fantastical. It just truly immerses me into all these beautiful worlds she's created, and this book just had a ton of fun elements, which I'll talk about. This book follows a girl named Evangeline and a guy named Jax. We met Jackson Carval, so I would recommend reading the Carval series before this series so you don't get spoilers from that series. But if you literally don't care about spoilers, you can go ahead and pick this series up immediately. So at the beginning of the book, Evangeline is making this deal with Jax because the guy she is in love with 
is getting married and she needs Jack's help to stop the wedding. And he agrees, but at the cost of three kisses with three people that Jax chooses. After giving her first kiss, she realizes how dangerous and unfair fates such as Jax can be. Again, I just loved how whimsical and fantastical this book was. Once Upon a Broken Heart specifically started off slow to me, but after about 150 pages into it, I was completely invested in all the different storylines going on and the slow burn romance subplot between Evangeline and Jack just kept me reading y'all to, <laughs> to be honest like I was saying this book had a bunch of fun elements such as vampires royalty and even the plot had like betrayal and secrets <sighs> it was so good I love this series so much. Book two of the series, The Ballad of Never After, actually ends off on like a treacherous cliffhanger. So be wary of that if you're going to start it before book three is released. I'm so interested to see how this series will end. And I'm quite scared, to be honest. I will probably make a Latte and Literature episode. Last but not least on my list, we have Legendborn by Tracy Dion. Legendborn opens up with Bree's mother dying from a fatal car crash and Bree is becoming a new student at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. During her first night on campus, she witnesses a group of kids slaying a demon and she quickly becomes entangled in a secret society called Legendborn. And the Legendborn are pretty much dedicated to hunting down these creatures and they're like different types of demons. The magic system is very well explained throughout it and though Bree's life has moved on, she's struggling to understand that her mom is truly gone or that her death was an accident. And when Bree starts to discover more and more evidence that her mom is not who she truly seemed to be and that the Legendborn Society may have something to do with her death, Brie decides to join the society and understand what truly happened the night of her mother's death. I absolutely adored this book. There was a character in this book named Selwyn Kane. He gave me life. That man will change you for the better, y'all. <laughs> I'm currently reading book two to the series, which is Bloodmark, and I am really enjoying it, but I'm also procrastinating it so much because I am terrified, even though I've heard so much good stuff about book two um the world building was a little complex so i would not recommend this as a beginner fantasy book because it was very difficult to understand even as a person that reads quite a bit of fantasy it was spectacular and also the ending of legendborn was so good as always, send me a DM on Instagram about your favorite reads of 2022 at Lonnie's Library with two Ys. I'll see y'all in my next episode very, very soon. Bye.